Okay. And it's that time again. Welcome, people, wherever you're listening to this in the world, to episode 11 of a Rooftop Casual podcast. I'm your host, Ross Medlin, and joining me on the show today, we have Lizzie Hall, founder of the organisation The Hygiene Bank, one of the fastest growing banks for hygiene products in the UK. For many of you, including myself, toothpaste, shampoo, fabric conditioner are not necessarily things we take for granted, but are staples of our weekly and daily lives. But for many low-income families, especially those relying on food banks, hygiene is a luxury they can't afford. And long before people visit a food bank, do they stop purchasing hygiene products. And when they do, suddenly what shouldn't be a luxury, it can easily be seen as something we all take for granted. Lizzie Hall, welcome on the show. Thank you, Ross. Thanks for having me. Uh, It's a pleasure. Lizzie, firstly, would you agree that hygiene poverty is a more sensitive subject than, say, food poverty, as it's more entangled with our sense of pride? Not saying food poverty doesn't, but hygiene definitely has a different element to it. No, absolutely. I think I think hygiene poverty is very shaming. Um, the, the feedback we get from uh, the, part, the partners we work with on the front line, it's not something people are going to stick their hand up and say, you know what, I couldn't afford to, to wash my children this week or I couldn't afford sanitary wear. These things are very shaming. And, and in, by being shaming, they, they're excluding and isolating. And so they are, they're, they're about dignity. Mm. Hygiene poverty is about your dignity. And it's about being able to present your best self. And no one can present their best self if they're not feeling confident in how they look. Completely. Well said. So, Lizzie, what is your story and how did the Hygiene Bank begin? Well, it only actually started three months ago. And right. it started with the film I, Daniel Blake by Ken Loach. I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't it's myself. very moving and harrowing film. You say you have seen or haven't? I haven't myself, sorry. Okay, it's a very moving and harrowing film, and it sort of highlights the, the cruel realities of those that fall through the cracks in our society. It sort of portrays a very dehumanised world in which um, sort of empathy has little place, and sort of it doesn't allow for, for the everyday chaoses of life and disorganisation and inabilities. Anyway, in one scene, the main, there's two main characters, and in one scene, Casey... She's a single mother of two, played by the actress Hayley Squires, is caught shoplifting. Mm-hmm. And in her bag, they find a pack of sanitary pads, razors, and a bottle of deodorant. And it kind of really, it just really struck me. So uh, after I watched the film, it, it was playing on my mind, and I visited my local food bank to kind of say, is this your reality? Because in the film, sorry, prior to that, you, you see her visiting a food bank but she doesn't get any of these things. So I went to my local food bank. I'm a very affluent Seven Oaks. And I, was, I asked, is this your reality? They said, yes. They do get toiletries, but on an ad hoc basis. Um, I then spoke to friends who backed this up, saying that, you know, girls can't afford sanitary protection and use loo roll or scrunched up socks in their pants. That they themselves buy pupils, basic essentials like toothbrushes. They take their uniform home to wash. And then further reading around the subject, you know, was identifying terms of popping up, hygiene poverty, period poverty. Um, and as you said, for most of us, we already think about the cost of these things. But for lo- low-income families, what was becoming apparent is that hygiene is a luxury they can't afford. And no one should be left struggling to wash their hair or brush their teeth or wash their clothes or change their baby's nappy as regularly as they would like or afford sanitary protection because they've been hit by something unexpected like 
bereavement, sickness, redundancy, or a delayed benefit payment. You know, this is about dignity. And I really understood it. I was widowed seven years ago, but okay. I was left in a very comfortable position, which actually has enabled me to do what I'm doing now. But I met a, a young mother at the food bank a few weeks ago who was there with her young two children. She had had a house. She had a husband. She'd had two children. Her husband had been killed unexpectedly in an accident. Mm. Roll on 18 months. Not only lost her husband, she'd lost her home. She was living in temporary accommodation and she was getting food from the food bank. You know, things can happen unexpectedly in life. And, and suddenly you can be plunged in poverty. So this isn't something that happens, you know, far away in a foreign country or even up north where some steel factory has closed down. This is very much happening on our doorstep. I so think, yeah. I put out a friend, the WhatsApp to friends on the 14th of August saying, I'm going to collect toiletries, bring them to the house. I'm going to take them down to the local food bank. It was a one-off thing. The reaction was overwhelming. It went viral. And then within a few weeks, the hygiene bank was born. <laughs> and this may sound quite self-explanatory, but what is the overall aim of the hygiene bank? So our mission is simple. It is to supply products, toiletry, beauty, grooming, hygiene products, to those that can't afford them. And we do this via charity partners. So we collect, uh, we encourage the local community to collect, and donate, and then we redistribute them via charity partners such as food banks, hostels, women's refuge, social services, NHS trusts. They in turn hand them out to their service users. And uh, how many hygiene banks do you have currently operational? Well, since that first WhatsApp in August, we've got over 60 hygiene banks across the UK, including Scotland and Wales. And that was in three months? In 10 weeks, yeah, 11 weeks. Wow, congratulations. That is that is huge. Uh, it's the power of social media. Yeah, completely. What's your reaction to people's reaction to you opening this? Do you know what? I have really been, uh, my, my, my whole faith in in humanity has been restored. Ah. Um, you know, people, are, people with full-time jobs, young children are stepping up, putting up their hands, saying, how can I help? I want to be involved. And this is one of, this is one of the main um, tenets of what we want to do. This is community helping its own community. So we're not shifting stuff around the country. This is a local community suddenly being aware of another community that exists within it that's possibly been under the radar, marginalised, going, actually, we can help you. Because every time you buy something in your weekly shop that really will not touch the sides for your weekly shopping budget, a bottle of deodorant, a bottle of shampoo, something like that, will literally change the life of somebody that can't afford it. Because suddenly if they can feel clean, they can feel good about themselves, they're less stigmatised, they can integrate in society a lot more. The, the ramifications of well-being and mental health well-being are huge. I completely, completely agree. It's nice to hear that on the lower end of population people seem to be getting kinder even when our political system seems to get a little meaner i like hearing that that people are donating a lot and people are kind of not turning such a blind eye to what is so apparent in our society right now but let's come on 
to talk about hygiene poverty itself. And it seems to me, yeah. uh, Lizzie, that hygiene poverty can be kind of overlooked in the greatest sphere of poverty itself. You know, when we look at the level of poverty associated with uh, our food and our basic needs to live, you know, you don't eat food, you die. Uh, it can become quite overshadowed. Uh, but I don't know if you agree with that, but uh, how many people in the UK are currently affected by hygiene poverty? Well, do you know what? There are no statistics on that from any of the research I've oh. done. And I think that, that is because people will not put their hand up and say, I can't afford to wash. It's very shaming. It, it, it's mm. embarrassing. Um, what we do know is that over 14 million people in the UK live in poverty. That's one in five. What we do know from our food bank is that long before people visit the food bank, they stop buying toiletries. What we do know is that two thirds of those people are what we call the working poor. You know, somebody has got a working job. They just can't afford to earn a decent standard of living. Mm. Um, it, it's crazy. You know, I, you probably know that we've just had Philip Holston, the UN's expert on poverty and human rights um, in the UK. And he's just completed a two week fact finding mission to understand why the fifth wealthiest nation in the world has the poverty levels that we do and and i'm going to quote him now mm -hmm. he said for almost one in every two children to be poor in 21st century britain is not just a disgrace but a social calamity and economic disaster rolled into one almost one in two children in the uk this is our future it's a lot to take in but it's it, it, it's it's alarming it, as well you know it, it, it's mind-blowing. You know, when we talk about poverty, people think people think Africa, people think abroad, people think somewhere not here. People think, up, you know, if we're, we're down south, people think up north. It's not. This is in your community. You know, I live in Sevenoaks, and um, the child poverty figures for the Sevenoaks district are huge. 18.7% of children in Sevenoaks area live in poverty. That's nearly one in five. It's a, it's a real shame and it, it, it proves the point that if there isn't any statistics to bring attention to the amount of people that are suffering with hygiene poverty, it just proves the fact that there's a lot of silent sufferers out there. There are a lot of silent sufferers out there. Out there. And I, I mean, think... That, that's right. I was going to say, you know, one of the food banks we work with in Tunbridge Wells, I mean, we work with many, but one of the ones we work with in Tunbridge Wells supports 5,000 people over the year. And, you know, they tell us, those people regularly brush their teeth with their fingers, salt and soap. They oh. wash and they wash their children in cheap 49p washing up liquid that they use both for the dishes and their bodies and their hair. You know, oh. children children are suffering with um, really bad nappy rash. All the ramifications of not being able to change a nappy as frequently as you'd like to. You know, girls are missing school because... Well, the statistics from Plan UK, one in 10 children, one in 10 girls rather, can't afford sanitary protection and often miss school. You know, the far-reaching effects of hygiene poverty are, is really quite, you know, the tentacles of this go really quite far. Mm, I completely agree. And I'm trying to put myself in their shoes right now. And if I was struggling to buy basic hygiene uh, products, I would suffer for a long time before I... I was brave enough to be vulnerable to go and accept help. 
because I have uh, a huge level of pride in myself and it takes a lot to, I think it's almost a brave act to be that vulnerable, to go to a bank and say, I need these products. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I mean that, that, that I would say is sort of part of the problem. That, that's the same as the food banks. It's, you know, it takes a lot for people to go there and say, you know what, I can't afford to, to feed my children. There's a lot of shame in that, mm. you know, not being able, able to provide for your dependents. I think. And you just said yourself, if, if, if you can have access to these products, you know, people who struggle to maintain a basic level of hygiene often find that their confidence is affected, mm. their self-esteem is affected, their prospects suffer as a result. You know, we know from reports by InKind Direct, the uh, charity set up by Prince Charles, that children as young as five know that they are different because other children don't want to sit near them and say hurtful things. Now, even if you just parked the well-being of that child, imagine the parent who knew their child was suffering because they couldn't provide their th- those things for that their children. You know, as I said, the, 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 the sort of mental health, well-being and, and mm. implications of all this is huge. How could you present yourself if you had a job at work every day if you were suddenly getting dirtier and grubbier? You know, if you had a job interview and you had to sort of, you couldn't afford to, to shave for that interview. Mm. Or, you know, you're, you're a teenager. At, at the most self-conscious age you can be in your life. And yet you, you, you can't wash or you can't brush your teeth or you can't have deodorant. You know, it, 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 it's extraordinary that this, that we're in 21st century Britain and we're, we are raising these as very, very tangible issues. It's a real hidden crisis. Um, it's saddening to hear this, but I know it's early days, Lizzie, for the Hygiene Bank, but are you seeing an increasing demand in that time you've been operational? Well, we can't keep up, Ross, with the, as I said, sorry, the way, so the way we operate is we encourage the local community to collect products. And we do this by having drop-off points in retail outlets, offices, churches, project coordinators collect and then they distribute out to charity partners who in turn distribute them to their service users. We cannot keep up with the amount of organisations asking us to support them so they can distribute goods. So, you know, we, 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 we don't get enough in in order to supply in order to provide the need out there. You know, we've given out already in, in, in over just over ten weeks we have given out over four tons of products. And it's not even touching the side. Oh, that's alarming just to see how the demand is so sky high at the moment. Do you know of any other kind of similar hygiene banks that are operational as well? Yeah, there's something called the Beauty Banks, which operate out of London, and they encourage, they are a PR company. Right. And they encourage their beauty clients to donate products. We are very much more a community initiative. And really, I don't really know what, what much else is going on. Okay, so how's this venture been for you then? I know we spoke off air, you said you're doing a lot of hours at the moment, but how has it been this last three months for you? I mean, my learning curve has been immense. Where I'm learning how to, we're sort of in the middle of getting a charitable status for a national charity, so mm-hmm. there's been an awful lot of legal preparation, policy documents to be written. Um, we're working with distribution, we're working with... Um, Supply. We're having to learn about packaging. 
upscaling, downscaling. I, I can't even I can't even begin to tell you. Um, my learning curve has just been immense and huge. It's, it's, um, seems to me like you've skipped the infancy stages of a, a charity or organisation. You've just you've kind of essentially skyrocketed into what is a, a, a complete absolutely. national wide operation. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, and, it's, and it's done all on the goodwill of uh, people. That's it. There's, no one is being paid to do anything. All our volunteers, all our project coordinators are volunteers. We've had some very, very amazing input from, um, you know, legal firms like Norton Rose, who've been doing some of our legal work for us, doing it pro bono. Uh, we've got some very big, what I call big guns, mm -hmm. getting involved, supporting us. We've just had a storage for a year funded uh, so I can reclaim my house. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it really has taken off. It's galvanized some kind of momentum in people um and i think it's because it's a very easy proposition you know it's buy one product add it to your weekly shop um mm. use your three for two offers use your store cards you know 199p product to you won't touch the slides but to someone else it really does it's that cliche if you can't change the world but you can change the world for one person i had a phone call uh, last week from one of the hostels that we support saying oh Lizzie I just have to tell you last night the girls had a pamper party with the stuff you gave them um, oh. and we're not talking about luxury items it was what I call essential toiletries she said and they were going oh my hair's clean and floating and they were laughing and giggling and he said and for those couple of hours of their pamper party she said they were they were relieved of the sort of drudgery of their life and they were just happy and laughing and giggling and being silly and laughing about their hair being clean and you know just little things it you know we all know what it's like to feel clean when you haven't been you know if you've been mm. ill and you've been in bed for a few days and you're just desperate for that first shower and you know it just it elevates you oh yeah completely it's revitalizing it's revitalizing. It's not just it's not just the physical cleaning. It it sort of clears your mind as well. It's but, um, it, it's humbling me right now. And I said before that maybe we don't necessarily take it for granted. But I'm changing my mind in the sense that I think we do. Oh uh, yeah, I think we do. Um, and we that's do a take shame. it for granted. Yeah, we do take it absolutely for granted. One of the first times I um, went to the food bank, a woman walked in with her two young children, school age children because they were in school uniform. And it was the first time I'd brought uh, toiletry products down. So they weren't used to having these things there. And they were sort of, it, it, they were, so, I mean, they were ridiculously excited. And this mother turned to her two children and said, oh, you can get a toothbrush. And it oh. really struck me. I've got a 13-year-old and a 12-year-old. If I went home and said that to one of my children, they'd kind of look at me in a, yeah, and mm. kind of way. Because their bathroom is ducks with, Shampoo, conditioner, deodorant, toothpaste. Those are just there as expectations. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think about my bathroom now. And because you buy packs of toothbrushes, I've got one spare, essentially. Yeah. So let's come on to talk about period poverty then. Uh, because it relates to what we're talking about. And it has had a lot of press this year. Yeah. So to highlight a little bit of research I've done for you and the listeners, um, there's a project called 
Brooke and Young People called Let's Talk Period, which has received a reasonable grant by the UK government, and they state, uh, menstruation and periods are shrouded in secrecy and shame. The culture of stigma and taboo is having a devastating impact on the lives of girls in the UK. Period stigma, combined with the high cost of period products, and a lack of education has led to what is being described as a toxic trio of period poverty. They did a survey of just over 1,000 girls aged 14 to 21, and this was done by Plan International UK. Uh, and they found that 1 in 10 girls in the UK are unable to afford period products. 42% of girls have been forced to use makeshift products such as toilet paper, uh, socks and newspaper because they've struggled to afford the products themselves. More than a quarter of girls said that they have uh, used a period product for longer than its intended use because they could not afford a fresh one. And nearly half of girls aged 14 to 21 in the UK are embarrassed by their periods. My first question in this regard, Lizzie, is would you agree that there's a, um, a culture of period stigma? Yeah, I would. I, I, I absolutely would. You know, we've got a lot of stigma and shame that surround uh, menstruation, you know, which means that girls are, as you've just said, are left to improvise alone every month. You know, often without the knowledge of family members or friends. You know, we live in a world where periods are euphemised. We don't even use, the, we don't even say the word period. We, we have some other little pet name for it. And it's belittled. And we use, you know, blue liquid is preferable to actual blood on TV adverts, the sanitary towels. So it's no surprise, mm. really, that girls don't ask for help. You know, we need to dispel this taboo. We need to do it through conversation. We need to talk about periods as freely and honestly as we can. We need to teach girls. We need to teach boys and men. We need to teach our sons that these are completely natural processes and part of the reproductive cycle. It's, it's nothing to be whispered about. This project, Let's Talk Period, have a strategy to tackle period poverty. And if I may, I'll just read this out because it consists of three parts. Um, a P-card scheme for young people. This will provide young people with education and access for free period products. They want to build a community of professionals to work together to develop effective models of practice. And I think that's just a lot of buzzwords. And a small grant scheme to support smaller organisations to tackle period poverty. So this, this project has received a reasonable grant by the UK government. But my question to you, Lizzie, is do you think the government is going far enough with supplying grants to projects like Let's Talk Period? Well, let's just go back a step. Yep. So the government has a £15 million pound tampon tax funds mm. paid for with the VAT charged on sanitary products. They have allocated 1.5 million of this steam to the Let's Talk project. Is it enough? No. Is it going to reach everybody? No. It, I, I think I read that it's going to reach something like 3,500 girls, but it's a start. So I must admit, and I'll show my ignorance uh, to you, Lizzie, and the listeners now, but I was talking to my girlfriend the other day about this subject, and honestly, I thought that sanitary products were free in female public loos, uh, much like toilet paper is. And to be honest, that's how I think it should be. Um, personally, I have trouble with this idea of a P-card system. I see a lot of roads leading to victimising young people, bullying, etc. I think just make basic sanitary products free in public loose, and that way everyone has access to them. You know, you can still go and buy nicer ones in a supermarket. You know, luxury hygiene products do exist. And I'm not saying I have any problem with that. Just have the basic ones free, would you agree? 
Do you know what? We, we talked about this earlier and I was discussing it with you, but actually listening to you, to what you've just said, I absolutely do. We, we provide condoms for free um, and it's much harder to refrain from menstruating than it is from having sex. So I don't actually understand the logic. Yeah, um, I, you know, you wouldn't expect to go to a public loo and pay for toilet paper. It just it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I don't know why we look at it in the same category as condoms. It isn't uh, condoms are not an essential. Um, it seems like sanitary products are. Um, well, sanitary products are essential. Yeah. You can't you you know you can't uh, from the and girls are getting their periods younger and younger. Um, you know so you know from the age of ten eleven um, for your reproductive life. Um, you have periods, and so it's an it's an expensive thing, you mm. know. And, and for some people, that expense just pushes the pushes the budget too far. Yeah, completely. But besides hygiene, in what other ways is this level of poverty affecting people? I think poverty impacts many areas of life. You know, it goes beyond having to live on a low income. It affects your access to services. You know, we live in a digital world, so you need a phone, you need a computer. If you look at even actually getting access to benefits, most of it you have to do online. So how do you access those services? How do you pay for your broadband? You know, yes, there are places you can go to, like libraries and community centres that have you can get onto, but those centres are closing down. You know, there's barriers to entry um, to things, you know, they impact your participation in society, your health, your education attainment, your overall life chances. In fact, you know, poverty has an impact all areas of life. It's not just about the physical concept of being clean. As, we, as we've talked about quite a lot, it has a massive impact on your mental health well-being, which that also then spills into all your other areas of your life, your work life, your social life, your relationships. Um, Poverty is very, very negative. Mm. And when we think of things like period poverty as well, if a you know a teenage girl can't afford basic sanitary wear, it's just going to increase that um, idea of shame they have yes. of this basic Absolutely. human function. Absolutely. And then if you miss school because you can't afford period products, and you're too ashamed to say, you know what, I can't come to school because my mum hasn't got the money to give me or I can't afford it, then you're further disadvantaging yourself because you're missing out on education. Mm. So it just the spiral down continues. Yeah. What's your thoughts on this P card system then? Well, I mean, I, to be honest, I have to be perfectly honest. I'm not really sure how how it will come to actual use. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how you. I don't know how you uh, first of all get your P card. You know, that, that all these things seem to me to be slight barriers to entry. So how, how do you get your P-card, first of all? Where, where can you then go and redeem these free products with your P-card? No, none of that, I, I mean, maybe I'm not massively well read on that side of things, but I, think I don't actually know. It's sort of lots of words and lots of, um, as you said, lots of buzzwords, but I'm not actually sure how how they will execute the p-card mm. you know how, how it how do you get one how do you then redeem it how do you what 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 how, how the whole thing works i don't actually know 
the ins and outs of it. And, you know, we all know how cruel teenagers can be at times. Um, I just think it just isolates and victimizes people. If people found out that they were using this P card system, it just, it, I just see, so it might be my pessimistic mind, but I just see too many roads leading to victimizing people that shouldn't be or people that are quite yeah, vulnerable. Well, it's, just, it's just another badge, isn't it? It's just another yeah. label that says I can't afford it or my family can't afford it. Mm. When um, basic sanitary when wear. Most, when you're a teenager and you're at your most, vulnerable you're at your most self-conscious mm. and so actually the easiest thing to do is to just remove yourself and stay home you know of course these are far-reaching ripple effects as you say um yeah. and all of that in terms of period poverty as we're talking about could all just be uh i think eliminated by having free sanitary wear in public loose if we put it in the same category as loo roll and not condoms i think this wouldn't really be as big an issue. Hey guys, if you're enjoying this podcast, you can find us on all the major social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at A Rooftop Casual. You can also go to our website, arooftopcasual.com, where you can join the mailing list to get exclusive monthly content. Now back to the show. If people want to donate, where can they find their local hygiene bank or affiliate place? Well, they are all listed on the website. In mm. Brighton itself, we have a fabulous project coordinator called Abby Brain, and she's set up a couple of drop-off points. One's the Waste Not Store, uh, yep. which is part of Brighton Open Market, and somewhere called Brewdog. Brewdog. The um, Brewdog Pub, you mean? The Brewdog Pub, yeah. Yep. That's a great pub. So you can, you can donate. That's what you say, that's your pub. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's my local, but I do enjoy... Oh, I thought you said that's my local. <laughs> no, it's a great pub, though. Uh, so she set up drop points at those two places. Um, if you can't get to somewhere, we've also got an Amazon wish list on our website, so you can always donate that way. Oh, um, really? Yeah. So you can always buy products and get them sent. Because, for, for, you know what? We needed to. We want to make this as... Uh, we want to remove barriers to entry. So mm. we want, you know, if people... Quite a few people would rather just go onto Amazon and spend a bit of money job done others want to buy it and drop it off others can't drop it off you know so we've kind of tried to make this as accessible for everybody on the donation side as we can and what products are you specifically looking for well we are saying anything really and everything that is considered to be an essential toiletry so shampoo body wash face wash toothbrushes sanitary products deodorant, washing powder, you know, that's a very overlooked product. Um, and yet more and more schools, I don't know whether you know this, if you do research as well, more and more schools are now installing washing machines to wash their pupils' uh, uniform because their parents can't afford it. Because it's not just the washing powder, it's running the washing machine and then it's drying those clothes. Mm. You know, if you're, if you're in limited heating. So, washing powder. We also get asked a lot for nappies and things like that. Men's products. You know, we're, we're very short of men's products. Essentially, it's anything to do with toiletries, grooming and hygiene products. If you need them, chances are somebody else does too. It's a real sign of the times if uh, primary schools are kind of installing washing machines, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, there's reports by, again, I'm talking about in kind Direct, I think I mentioned them earlier, 
Mm. And they quote that three out of ten primary school teachers regularly buy their pupils toothbrushes, shampoo, take their clothes home to be washed. And these aren't high income earners. Just to highlight something from, uh, again, from Philip Alston that was talking about earlier and some of the fiscal studies that were done, they highlight the predictions that child poverty could raise between 7% um, up to 40% between 2015 to 2022. Now, that's another alarming statistic, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, we've got, you know, I mean, this is a whole another discussion, but, you know, universal credit is um, causing real problems not only are people not getting their benefits you know there's a lag in getting their benefits they're going to one one person in the household you're you're having to learn how to budget money you know with no no education system coming in behind it it it's it, it, the situ- the situation is imploding and is only going to get worse yeah, uh, sorry state of affairs, but we highlighted a bit earlier about some of the, so in terms of washing powder, it's commonly overlooked, but is there any other commonly overlooked items when donating? Well, th- 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 you know, th- there are. So if you sort of slightly think out of the box, and again, this is when you said there have been any learnings, this was a steep learning for me. Um, women in the refuge. So what we get requested from, from a lot of the women's refuges, are maternity sanitary products, not because they're new mums, but because many women have suffered internal trauma. Um, Nappies for older children, not just for babies. Again, because children that have in distress have, you know, very well documented symptoms of bedwetting. So we need dry nights for the older children because if they've wet the bed, then that also leads to hygiene issues washing sheets, etc. So but so those those two things um, have really been highlighted by by refuge, um, maternity sanitary products and nappies for older children. When I say nappies, dry nights, sort of pull up pull up nighttime pants. Okay. And for eight to fifteen for eight to fifteen year olds. Again, commonly overlooked I assume. But... Yeah, well you just don't think of it. You don't think of it. But no. then when you when you sort of really start when you when you break it down and think Right, well, bedwetting is a very well-documented symptom of a child in distress. So, you know, if you're, if you're a child living in temporary accommodation, if you're witness to abuse in the house, um, bedwetting is a real issue. Yeah, and it's a sign that all these stresses are compacting as well. But many people who listen to this will probably be interested in getting involved. But what are the other ways people can get involved in your organisation besides donating? Can I just go back one step as well? The other thing that that, that is often overlooked is stuff for men. And I think it's because I would say, and even looking at the demographic of who engages with this initiative, 95% are women. Um, And because of that, I think sometimes men's products are overlooked. So we're really short of them. Yet 70% of homeless are men. Yeah, and it's International Men's Day as we're talking, right? And it's International Men's Day as we're talking today. Yes. So actually, I put a post on it earlier. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so we do need also men's products. You don't necessarily need specific men's shampoo or body wash, but maybe maybe if you're thinking about buying a product, get something that's more sort of unisex rather than strawberry-flavoured body wash. You know, if you're getting shampoo, maybe go for a generic um, brand that's neither marketed 
specifically to males or females, same as your deodorants. Uh, in what other ways can people get involved with your organisation then? Okay, so as I said before, we're a, a community-powered initiative run purely by volunteers. So in the first instance, you can donate your products, and we're saying just one item a week in your shopping. Mm -hmm. You can donate money. We have a just giving. Or you could use you could buy via the Amazon wish list. If you yourself want to get more actively involved, you could set up a project in your local area. You could set up your local food bank, and we would support you to do that. And then we would map you with the local charity partner. Because this is what's really important. It's about community to community. Donate local, help local. You could offer this if you were if you if you couldn't set up a project but you really wanted to galvanize the momentum of this, you could off, um coordinate an office collection at work. If you're a business, you could host a collection box for donations. If you wanted to come involved in the charity side itself, you could help with sourcing repacking, delivering, because again, what we do, we get all the stuff in and then we source it and repack it. So we will, we will, um, you know, get everything that's teeth and package that teeth. We'll get stuff for hair, stuff for deodorant, so that when we get out to our charity partners, they don't just get like a jumbled up shopping bag of stuff. It's all been pre-sorted and pre-organized for them. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of work that goes into the fulfillment and distribution side of things um where as you said before we're in our infancy it's all hands on deck you know we need we need help with administration if you've got pr skills if you've got fundraising skills if you want to help we'll find something for you to do <laughs> <laughs> that's great um and i asked this question of all my guests lizzie but what does the end of 2018 and 2019 bring for yourself and the hygiene bank well, I said we're in the middle of charity registration. Mm -hmm. And so with that, uh, we have put together a very, we, meaning me and the trustees, have put together a very ambitious business plan. You know, and our vision really is to have a hygiene bank project in every major area. We've got 60 plus already, but we would like them in every major area. We cannot change um, people's financial status. But with the hygiene bank, what we can do is help alleviate one of the symptoms of poverty and give people back their dignity, which I think is the first step in being able to be part of the society that we're in. Such a positive message as well, just to alleviate some of the suffering as well. So important. Just to alleviate some of the suffering. We can't change it, mm. but, but hygiene poverty has a real physical, mental impact. So if we can alleviate that symptom then maybe you can be then in a better position to get yourself out of the situation that perhaps you're in. And, you know, real positive change starts from the ground up. And I'm so glad to hear you've had such a positive reaction from local communities. It shows that, like, people are getting a little kinder um, in, you know, the days of austerity that we live in. Um, and, yeah, a resoundingly positive silver lining to what is a very negative subject we're talking about. But if people want to find out more, how do they find you? And most importantly, that Amazon wish list as well. Right. So if they go onto the website, www.thehygienebank.com, mm -hmm. all the information's on there. All the locations of our projects are on there. The Amazon wish list link is on there, as is just the Just Giving page. Um, we also have quite a big social media presence. So they can follow us on Facebook, 
and Instagram at The Hygiene Bank. So follow, please. The more followers we have, the more leverage we have. You know, this, this is a people-powered initiative. But if we really want to make change, then we need to get some of the big brands involved as well. You know, some of the big manufacturers of said product. Um, so, so much is wasted. You know, just as a very small example, I'm not going to mention the brand. I got a phone call uh, quite at the beginning of this initiative saying, oh, Lizzie, uh, this company are rebranding and they're, they're about to send 3,000 bottles of body lotion to landfill. Oh Do you God. want them? Do you want them? And I said, absolutely. So there is so much of that that goes on. Uh, you know, another example of waste. Uh, when you when you often go to these exhibitions and you get freebies, you know, the company has paid an exhibition company or uh, another company to do that promotion for them. And they've asked for X thousand products to give out, to hand out. If only some of them are handed out, the company, the brand, doesn't get those products back because then the promotions company has failed. It hasn't done its job. Again, they just get dumped. So uh... there's lots and lots of waste out there that mm. can go to people that need it. Yeah, again, that's a, another real issue as well. But are some of these hygiene products usable after their sell-by date? I know probably shavers are and whatnot, but I'm talking about like shampoo and stuff. After it's past a sell-by date, is it still usable? Yeah, I don't really know about yeah. those sell... I have to be honest, I'm not really sure mm. about those sell-by dates. I mean, they're very nebulous. Um, what we don't have, though, and what we don't take is anything that is used and unopened and obviously okay. that's for health and safety purposes because that that ridiculous scenario that somebody uses a product that had been opened and something had put something in there or there's a shard yeah, of glass yeah. or whatever. so we can't take anything that's already been opened and used um, and actually would you want something that's already been opened and used so we ask that everything's new yeah um, fair enough yeah, yeah. Um, Lizzie thank you so much for being on the show you and your team's actions are making the world a much kinder and less judgmental place. So I wish you and the Hygiene Bank all the best, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Ross, for your support and spreading the word in your area. I greatly appreciate it. No worries. It's only, it's only by people taking an interest, caring, being aware of what's going on in their community and being a voice of change that things can happen. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Rooftop Casual. You can find out more about my guests and stay up to date on the news of the podcast by going to the website, a link to which can be found on the Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages at A Rooftop Casual. See you next time.